Who would go get donuts in the middle of the night? Who would drive an hour to get a box of donuts? The answer can be found in Battle Creek and Kalamazoo. Welcome to Culinary Woman. I'm Mickey Maynard. Come on in and have a seat at the table. Join us. ago, I was leafing through the Sever 100 issue. Now, Sever magazine used to put out this issue every year, and they would list 100 interesting food things from all around the world. So amid stuff like fish sauce and the, you know, the best pad thai in Bangkok, I stumbled across Sweetwater's Donuts, and I was even more surprised to find out that they were right down the road from me in Kalamazoo, Michigan. So, of course, as soon as I got the opportunity, I decided to stop in at Sweetwaters. The first Sweetwaters that I went to was their original store in Kalamazoo. And if you're driving from Ann Arbor to Chicago, you have to get off the road and do do a little bit. And you eventually come upon Sweetwaters and you go in and it's a donut playground. You see big cases of donuts, all kinds of donuts. And let me just say, this was before we had hipster donuts. The ones where you would stand in line for 45 minutes and get inside and they would have four or five different kinds and they were loaded up like sushi rolls with bacon and matcha icing and things like that. And you'd pay $6 for one and come out and wonder, why did I just pay $6 for a donut? Well, you don't pay $6 at Sweetwaters. Actually, if you pay $6, you're going to get a whole box of donuts, which is something that I discovered. So I got in my car on my birthday, and it's about an hour from Ann Arbor to the Battle Creek store. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about why I go to the Sweetwaters in Battle Creek after this break. So a few years ago, a friend that lived in Kalamazoo told me about the Sweetwater's Donut Mill in Battle Creek. He said, you just have to get off at Capitol Avenue. You make a left at the top of the freeway and exit ramp. You make another left at the light, and it's right there in the strip mall. So, I mean, that was like a revelation to me and so much easier, especially on those trips from Ann Arbor to Chicago, where I just wanted to get off, get my donut and get back on the freeway. So on my birthday, I decided I'd take a quick trip over to Cal- to Battle Creek. And remember, you know, this has been a COVID summer and I haven't gone anywhere. So just the idea of getting out of the house for a couple of hours and spending an hour on the road was sort of like going to Paris in the old days. So while I was there, I recorded a little bit of audio with my impressions. And you can hear that I'm in the car because the backup sim- signal goes off. But take a listen to my little excursion to Battle Creek. When 
you walk into the Battle Creek store, which is the closest to I-94 and the one that I always go to, you see two big racks of donuts that are replenished literally right before your eyes. I mean, they must have made four trips back to the back to get fresh donuts while I was there for about 15 minutes. And then there are cases in front of you, chest sort of waist high, that have specialty donuts that aren't included in the regular dozen price. There are cinnamon rolls as big as your head. There are twists that could be used as devices to build muscles in your arms. There are all kinds of long johns, which are kind of a Midwest phrase for eclairs. These are the donuts that cost a little bit more money. But when I say a little bit more money, I mean $1.59 instead of uh, under a dollar. Um, I'll have to double check those prices. But honestly, when you think about the three and four dollar charges that are normal for big city donuts, basically the price of two big city hipster donuts gets you a dozen donuts at Sweetwater's Donuts. Totally understand how they've gotten the publicity they've gotten, why people get off the freeway, why people go through the drive-through. They used to be open 24 hours. They're not anymore. And while I was visiting the Battle Creek store, I didn't see anybody sitting and chatting over coffee. There used to be a rack in the corner of the Battle Creek store where people could keep their favorite coffee mugs. And they had to remove that, obviously. They had actually removed it in February before COVID hit Michigan hard. But I do remember going in and, you know, seeing the old guys table and seeing people sitting at the counter and lingering over their coffee and their donut. I tried the coffee. It was never great coffee, but it was an expensive coffee. And honestly, a donut and coffee would cost you probably less than $2. And so why wouldn't you go to Sweetwater's Donuts? Okay, so let's do a price check on those donuts. Um, actually, a donut at Sweetwater's costs $1.09. That's $1.09. If you buy six donuts, it's $5.99. And if you go on your birthday, you get six donuts and they give you another six for free. I had a great time picking out my birthday donuts. Most people buy in multiples, according to Trisha Garner, who's the general manager of Sweetwaters, and she's a member of the family that had founded the shops back in 1983. She says that because they make the donuts in such big quantities, they can cut down on costs and they're able to pass the savings on to their customers. So how many donuts do they sell per day? Well, about 4,000 per shop which means 12,000 donuts daily, or something close to 4,000 donuts a week. The store in Battle Creek is no longer open 24 hours. It's only open 5 a.m. to 10 p.m., but the other two stores in Kalamazoo are open 24 hours. So if you decide in the middle of the night that you want donuts, you need to go to one of the Kalamazoo stores, not to my convenience store in Battle Creek. So I wanted to share the results of my donut taste test. So what sets a Sweetwater's donut apart? First of all, this is a very tender donut. 
When I bite into a plain chocolate glazed donut, it literally falls apart in my hand, even though they're fried and some of them are baked. This is not the hockey puck kind of plain donut that some people might be used to. It's a very crumbly cake-like donut, and you taste the chocolate. You taste the glaze, but it's not an overwhelming glaze. Another thing is that they're fresh, and I watched really with my eyes bugging out as one of the counter girls just threw away a tray of donuts. She was dissatisfied with how the icing looked, and she explained to me that when the donuts become an hour or so old, the icing starts to get kind of crinkly, and it isn't pleasant, and it's not. She doesn't think it's nice to look at. I mean, they look just like great donuts to me. Another thing that sets them apart is that while you don't have the super fancy flavors like the big sushi rolls that everybody's gotten used to in big city donuts, there is a variety of flavors. So there's peanut butter and jelly. There's several types of different chocolate fillings. There's maple. A lady came into the Battle Creek store while I was there and asked for bacon, and they do have a bacon donut, but they were out that day. Everything is very generous. So a coconut donut is slathered with coconut. There's a lot of icing and a lot of filling in these donuts. And the, the you can tell that the ingredients are good. And one way you can tell is that, you know, sometimes you have a donut and you eat it and it has like a slick of grease or oil or something across the top of your mouth. You don't get that feeling with Sweetwater's donuts. There's definitely not cheap shortening being used here. These are, these are top ingredients, and I really think you can taste the difference. If you're a reader of the Culinary Woman newsletter, you know that every week we honor the Culinary Woman of the Week, and that's a tradition we're going to keep following on this podcast. Since we've been talking a lot about Chicago in this episode, I'm going to pick one of the leading figures in culinary Chicago as the culinary woman of this episode of the podcast. That person is Ina Pinkney. Every single restaurant owner in Chicago probably knows who she is, and she probably considers them to be one of her dearest friends. Ina owned a restaurant called Ina's, which was in the West Loop of Chicago. In the years that I lived in Chicago, I had a lot of business breakfasts there. It was a wonderful spot in the West Loop. It had a parking lot, which is always an advantage. And it was simply the kind of place that, you know, you could settle into and live in. It specialized in things like heavenly hot pancakes. There were beautiful omelets and toast and most of all there was Ina. She was either up at the front counter or she circulated in the restaurant and she kept an eagle eye on the way that that restaurant ran. Now Ina's closed in 2014 but to get a sense of it you should look up the movie Breakfast at Ina's on Amazon Prime or you might be able to find it in a web search and it tells her life story she actually came down with polio when she was a young woman 
and she had to overcome that battle first. Then she had an interracial marriage, which caused lots of challenges at a time when people did not intermarry as much as they do today. They moved to Chicago, they had a bakery, and then Ina decided that she wanted to have a restaurant where everyone could feel welcome, kind of the way I feel about this podcast. Well, in the course of running her restaurant, she became sort of a mother hen, auntie, um, fairy godmother to a lot of the restaurant people in Chicago. I met her through Barry Sorkin, who was one of the co-owners of Smoke Barbecue. And Ina came into his restaurant soon after they had opened, and she sat him down and she said, you have to close on Mondays. He had planned to be open seven days a week and everyone was burning out. And she said, you've got to save your staff and you've got to save yourself. And he took her advice and all the other advice that Ina gave him and now is one of the most successful barbecue places in the entire country. I was so happy to get to, to know Ina. It was basically after the restaurant closed that we, we struck up our friendship. And she's been incredibly helpful to me in understanding how the restaurant world works. I am so happy to see how well she was represented in the documentary. But I was sad when I heard a year ago in December that Ina had suffered an accident um, and broke her polio leg. And for months she was in rehab. Uh, She did all kinds of physical therapy and essentially is now confined to a wheelchair simply because it's much easier for her to get around. And what she discovered was that her beautiful apartment, which overlooks Lake Michigan, was not functional for someone who would be in a wheelchair. And so last year, her friends all got together and threw a breakfast for Ina and raised money so that we could renovate her kitchen and her bathroom so that she could get more mobile and stronger. And she has, and she writes a column for the Chicago Tribune. She's out and about whenever there's a new restaurant. At least before COVID, she would be the first person to visit it. I think it's probably like a lot of us, she's cut back on her restaurant going since the pandemic broke out. But I can't tell you how helpful she has been in my career. And I also would like to recommend her cookbook to you. I think you would really enjoy reading her philosophy, seeing the wonderful pictures in the cookbook, and sampling some of the recipes. They're not super hard, and they'll definitely liven up your breakfast table. So our Culinary Woman of the Week is Ina Pinckney of Chicago. Love you. That's it for this episode of the Culinary Woman podcast. We hope that you're following us, liking us, subscribing to us. Give us lots of stars if you feel like it. Also, I hope you're subscribed to the Culinary Woman newsletter. You can find that at culinarywoman.substack.com. Our theme music is by John Goodell. For now, I'm Mickey Maynard. Thanks for coming over. Stay safe, wear your mask, and we'll see you again.